What's good, everybody? How we doing? Can you guys give Collective a giant round of applause? That was amazing. <clears throat> and if you, if you don't mind, could you turn the house lights up for just a second? Here's what I would love for us to do. We didn't get a chance to do this. Um, but there are scores of you here from all over this area. And some of you don't know each other and some of you do know each other, but for whatever reason, because you're a high school student and you're so cool, you just didn't want to talk to anybody. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I don't want you to do it yet, but just a second, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up and here are your instructions. You have to hug someone sitting behind you, someone sitting to your left, someone sit, calm down, homie. All right. He's like, I'm so excited. <laughs> someone behind you, someone to your right, someone to your left, and someone in front of you. Okay? And this is what... No. And this is what you have to say to them while you are giving them a hug. It's just simple. It's all love tonight. Okay? It's all love tonight. So are y'all ready? Now, hold on. If they say, stranger, danger, don't hug them because consent is everything, okay? <laughs> On your mark, get set, hug some people, go! <laughs> all love tonight, all love, all love, all love. All right. And once you're done, you can sit down. Some of y'all are enjoying this way too much. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's, it's 2017. There's a young man who is in Memphis, Tennessee. He was homeschooled all of his uh, education, goes to the University of Arkansas his freshman year, does not enjoy it. His girlfriend has just broken up with him. He spent much of his time when he was homeschooled perusing the internet on YouTube. He's incredibly sharp, unbelievably smart, but he's just kind of bored with life. And the reason why he's in Memphis is because he's gone to this wedding but he's just gotten broken up with, so his heart is broken. So some of you fellas understand that because girls, as tough as guys act when they break up with you, they go home at night and play the theme from Titanic. That's what happens. <laughs> Near, far, yes. I'll never let go, Jack. I hear a whistle. <laughs> anyway. And let's just be honest. She could have moved over, but anyway. Oh, did I offend you? I am sorry. So he decides I'm going to bolt on this wedding and he goes to downtown Memphis and it's 2017. Uh, Donald Trump has just gotten elected and that has begun a ton of all, all kinds of chaos. So on this particular day that he goes to downtown Memphis, there is a women's right march happening because here's a heads up to all of us in the room. Women are leaders too. Okay. But because of all the chaos, there's a march going on, 
but there are counter-protesters protesting the marchers. And this young man stands among all of these people and he hears them yelling incredibly incoherent arguments at people and he, and he begins to look around and this is what he understands, that this is not effective. Like there's no point to this at people yelling at people who are trying to make a statement and the people who are trying to make a statement are yelling back at the people that are yelling at them and he's so incredibly smart that he just goes, you know what? I need to contribute to this chaos, but in con- contribute in such a way that I need to show them how ridiculous this is. So he sees this poster board up on a wall. He grabs it. Somehow he finds a pin, and this pin isn't working. So he grabs a pin, and he starts writing feverishly the first thing that comes into his mind. And as all these people are still screaming, he's like, this is going to be good. And so he writes these three words down. And as these people are protesting, he finally decides, I'm going to join the discourse. And he holds this over his head and starts screaming. Birds aren't real. Birds are not real. To the point, high school students and adults, that in about 20 minutes, Everyone standing around him is screaming, birds aren't real. (laughs) Everyone has taken their attention off of why they're there, and they have joined this guy and going, birds aren't real. And then off the top of his head, he just starts making stuff up. I brought some pictures for you. For those of you who think I'm just making this up, this dude's name is Peter McIndoe. And he has created a movement in our country called Birds Aren't Real. Now watch. Here's their premise that in the 40s, the United States government committed genocide on every living bird, killed them all, and any bird bird that you now see in the sky is actually a government-controlled drone. It gets better. If you ever see birds sitting on a power line, that is actually the drone charging itself. And my favorite, if a bird ever poops on your window, that is actually a liquid GPS system so the government can track you. There, we we now have converts. They're over going here. Amen. Honolulu, right? You. But here was his whole point. When someone finally asked Peter McIndoe, "Why did you do this?" Here's what he said, and this is so brilliant. Adults in the room and teenagers, he said, "It was simply an experiment in misinformation. Because what I wanted to show is how easily people can be skewed." by a simple wrong idea. And one of his associates actually said this, if anyone believes birds aren't real, we're the least of their concerns because then there's probably no conspiracy that they won't believe. So here's what I wanna slide across the table to us tonight quickly. Not a conspiracy, but a small yet unbelievably profound thing that Jesus said, that I'm of the opinion we've gotten it slightly wrong. 
And this misinformation, high school student, this misinformation adult, if we get it right, it literally changes everything about the way we operate in life. Because for those of you that don't know, first century people who were following Jesus were not called Christians right away. They were called, ladies and gentlemen, people of the way. There was this implication on men and women who decided, I am going to follow a Jewish Hebrew rabbi who we watched crucified on a cross and three days later rise from the dead, because for those of you that don't do the whole Jesus God Bible church thing much, you just came with friends and you're wondering what this is all about and why some of your friends had their hands up and people were going crazy on stage and why there's so much passion in the room. Here's really the essence of why we are so incredibly passionate. Jesus Christ, a real historical figure, died on Friday and he rose again on Sunday. Everybody okay? That is why we're in the room. And the reason why 2,000 plus years later, we gather in Orange City, Iowa, most of us in this room claiming to be his followers, is because first century people did not consider themselves Christians. They considered themselves people who were going to follow in the way of Jesus. Jesus himself said, I'm the way. The way, high school student." is a person, and it's the person of Jesus. And here's what's unfortunate about our culture. We've reduced this whole idea of the way to a set of rules that are supposed to be about behavior modification, and we've made Jesus our mascot. And ladies and gentlemen, he is not our mascot. He is the way. We're trying to follow his example. Now, if you consider a way practically from a definition standpoint, we have a couple of ideas. A way is a road someone has traveled before. It's a journey. It's a framework of thinking, feeling, and decisions. But if Jesus himself said, I'm the way, and it is a road that he traveled, and it's a journey that he went on, and it's a framework of thinking and behavior that he exhibited, the question, if you're following along with me, is what did Jesus mean when he said, I'm the way? What does it mean that Jesus says, I'm the one that you have to follow. Now watch, this is so important. The hardest thing you and I will ever do sitting in 2022 is to read what Jesus said forward because we don't have the advantage of being there when he said it. So what we all do naturally is we read the pages of scripture, but especially what Jesus said, we read it through a filter backwards. And that filter is full of all the things our parents have told us and our pastors have told us and our youth leaders have told us and our small group leaders have told us. And the, 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 patriarchs of of old, the, the men and women of faith, what they have said and put into place. But for us to accurately understand what Jesus was talking about, we have to some way, somehow put ourselves in his seat and think forward. And here's what Jesus was saying. Some, anybody bring your Bible if you did. Matthew chapter uh, 6 is where we're going to be. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7. But if you didn't, let me tell you what's happening when Jesus says what he says here. In my opinion, Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter seven are the most important things that Jesus said. And the reason why they're so important is because of the profound power and compelling nature of him explaining, watch this, this is the way. 
Now, for those of you that don't know, Jesus lived three years where he was out in public saying, I'm the way. So we do not have, uh, you know, the, the, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cannot cover every single thing that he said during that time. Matthew 5, chapter, Matthew 6, and Matthew, Matthew 7 are really the summary of the things that Jesus said the most. And I want you to watch what he starts saying in Matthew chapter five. He starts talking about students and adults, what it means to be blessed. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're gonna be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness. Then he goes on and talks about this fact that if you are following me, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. I am, he says, the fulfillment of the law. He says, you heard it said, do not murder, but I tell, ever tell you this, if you've ever had uh, anger in your heart, it's like you've killed somebody. And every girl in this room, you're like, I'm busted. Because hopefully you haven't killed anybody, but this has happened in your life, right? I know I should love her. But I hate her. You know that thing that happens? You've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, if you've ever had anger in your heart, it's like you murder. He says this, that if you are, watch this, if you are worshiping with, with the collective and you realize that you have an issue with somebody, leave your gift at the altar and go make that right and then come back and worship. This is just a heads up. Fairly certain most of us in this room have relational tension with somebody in our life and I didn't see anybody going, I'll be back. <laughs> Gotta handle some business. Settle matters quickly. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, if you've ever had lust in your heart, it's like you committed adultery. And all the guys were like, girls are like that about the anger and murder thing. Fellas, what about you with lust? Don't giggle. (laughs) He talks about divorce. He talks about making oaths. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I tell you, turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Give to the needy. Pray. Fast. Make your treasure in heaven. Don't worry. Don't judge. Ask. Seek. Knock. Is anybody picking up what I'm laying down? Everything that Jesus is talking about is this relationship with people this way that makes this different. And the next thing that he says is the place where we've gotten it wrong. Context creates meaning. Anybody, I'll throw this picture. Anybody see this movie? um, And I think I brought a slide. Uh, Everything, everywhere, all at once. Anybody see this movie? Context gets it wrong. Like you, you and I getting what Jesus says next is you watching this movie and thinking it's like a Disney film. And it's not. Or here's a better one. If you saw Saving Private Ryan and you thought it was a romantic comedy, which it wasn't. Why? Because context, students and adults, creates the meaning. So Jesus spends all of this time in the first part of Matthew chapter 5 and the first part of Matthew chapter 6 helping us understand that this is what this is about. It's about this. And then he says these words. 
You can enter into God's kingdom, reading through the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gates is wide for the many who chose or choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. And for most of us in this room who've heard somebody talk about this before, we have automatically assumed that Jesus is talking about your capacity to enter into um, eternity with God. And we make this assumption that what he's saying is that he's talking about all of the people who are immoral and do bad things. And those are the people that are on the highway to hell. And ACDC did a song about it. And, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Those are the crazy people. And they're never going to heaven. But it's a very tiny few that get on the narrow road. But watch this. We're making that assumption after Jesus has spent all of this time talking about this talking about the way we have literally decided that Saving Private Ryan is a romantic comedy. And we've decided that Jesus is talking about something that he really wasn't talking about. And how do we know? We have clues. Because right before, I, right before what I just read, Jesus said this, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. He's literally talking about high school, dude. He's literally talking about high school girls. This thing, and I talked about this yesterday a little bit here in chapel, that we all have, that we expect perfect behavior from imperfect people, but we expect imperfection from ourselves. I expect me to be imperfect, and I expect you to extend grace and forgiveness my way, but isn't it crazy how many of us in this room refuse that to do that to other people? And isn't the reason why so many of you in this room have incredible relational conflict, most of you with the people that you say you care about the most, it literally is because you refuse to do to other and do with other people what you want them to do to you. You hold them to this impossible standard. You want them to give you grace and forgiveness when you mess up, but you refuse to extend it to them. And it just so happens that Jesus says this right before he talks about the narrow way. What he is implying, are you ready? Is he's talking about those of us in this room who refuse to walk in the way of Jesus. Because right before he talked about this in Matthew chapter seven, he taught us how to pray and he told us to do this and forgive those Forgive us just as we are to forgive those who sinned against us. Forgive our sins as we are to forgive those who have sinned against us. And I'm about to, this is going to mess with you a little bit. The, the Greek word for forgive there in Matthew chapter 6 is pronounced afiami. It'll be a fun thing for you to say on your way home. It's afiami. And here's what it literally means. It means to send it away. To send it away. He's literally saying, thank you. 
for sending away our sins and help us to send away the sins of those who have sinned against us. But this is what we do. Let me see if I can get some help. My man right here, right? Yeah, you were asleep. Come here. All right, sorry, I woke you up. What's your name? Hammett? Emmett? Hammock? Emmett. Everybody give Emmett a big hand. Sorry I woke you up, Emmett. Come here. Come over here. Come over here. Emmett, what, what grade are you in? Uh, junior. You're a junior in high school or college? High school. High school. Where do you go to high school? Uh, online. Oh, online. Is that a big school? Uh, what are, what's y'all's mascot? The internet? Anyway. <laughs> like an apple? Anyway. Uh, you got a girlfriend? No. Looking? Prospect. Um, so let's just say that Emmett and I have some relational conflict. You're a big boy. You lift? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> How big a boy are you? Anyway, let's just say that Emmett and I have some conflict, and for whatever reason, I kind of offend Emmett in some way. Let's say I say something about his shorts or the fact that he was asleep on the front row, or it could be something worse, like I really, really offend you. What would be the most of, no, never mind. Like I offend him. And so here's what we tend to do. Hold this. What we tend to do with people, and all of us do this, is I hurt Emmett's feelings. And it's like I put this brick in the back. And Emmett has a choice. He can decide to afia me, to send it away. But this is what most of us do. Instead of us sending it away, Emmett decides, oh, you hurt me? I'm going to hurt you. And he puts that in the bag and he hands it to me. And isn't it interesting, once we're both hurt, what we do? Because once we're both hurt, once you hurt me, I'm going to replay how you hurt me. I'm going to replay it in my mind over and over and over. And so once I replay it, I'm just telling myself crazy stories and I hand that back to Emmett. And Emmett decides, you know what? I remember what you did to me. And so he starts replaying it in his mind and he hands the bag back to me. And by the way, Emmett's a big boy, but this is getting heavy. And then once we get hurt and we start replaying it, then we get mad. And some of you, you're right here right now, right? You've entered anger phase. So now you hurt me and I've replayed it in my mind, and you try, I've tried to hurt you, and you're replaying it in mine, so now I'm mad. So I put this in the bag, and I'm like, okay, big boy, hold that. And he goes, cool. Well, since you got mad, I'm mad. And he hands the bag back. Now watch this. At every single turn, teenagers and adults, one of us could have decided to send it away. That's not what we do. It gets worse, especially when you're a teenager, right? Because what you decide to do is you decide to start talking. So what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to tell all my friends. I'm going to start making up lies about Emmett, how big of a jerk he is, how his shorts are too short. (laughs) Here. And Emmett's like, well, you look like the love child of Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, and he hands it back. Some of y'all will get that later. 
And then, isn't it crazy? <laughs> isn't it crazy? Then we start going, you know what? I'm not just going to gossip. I'm going to get all my friends on my side. And I become tribal. Don't you talk to Emmett. And then it's like, <laughs> you know what winds up happening? Because I refuse to send it away, I make myself sick. And I don't know how to put this in the bag. <laughs> So does he. Y'all give them a big hand. Thanks, dude. some of us in this room you're perfectly convinced that you're on the narrow road because you pray to prayer and you believe the right things and Jesus is going that's not the narrow way because isn't this true high school student every one of you do this Can I prove it to you? Let's be family. How many of you be honest and you, you would say, I've got some relational conflict in my life right now and all I keep doing is exactly that. Lift up your hand. Lift it up high and look around. You can put it down. And Jesus is going, choose the narrow way. Because wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and everybody's on it. High school student who claims to be a follower of Jesus, everybody does it this way. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life that decide a fee on me. You don't owe me. I forgive you. And only a few find it. And here's how I know it leads to life because some of you in this room, whether it's a father or a mother, a sibling, a coach, a teacher, some of you have had incredibly awful things done to you that were not your fault. And some of you have such trivial things that you're deciding to just keep passing back and forth like Emin and I. It just makes no sense. But for some of you, you've decided at some point, I choose to send it away. You don't owe me. And isn't it crazy how much life you have now?
It's like you can breathe. For those of you, anybody ever been to the West Coast, California, for those of you that don't know, if you and I were to fly into LA and we wanted to go to Oregon, we have two choices of the way we go. We could decide to get on an interstate called Interstate 5. I think I brought a picture of Interstate 5. Or we could decide eventually to get on the 101 in Oregon. Here's what's interesting. Interstate 5, can you go back to Interstate 5? It's crowded. It may be a little bit easier because it's easier to exit, but there are so many stinking people on the interstate. Everybody gets on the interstate. But look at the 101. Look at this picture. It's right on the coast. It's two lanes. And everywhere you look is just nothing. I brought a couple of these pictures. It's nothing but beauty. It's this kind of scene. And this is actually the scene that you, if you watch Goonies, this is that place. Hey, you guys. All right, that's that place. This is a place called Thor's Well. And here's the thing about the 101. Not very many people get on it because it's slower, it's messier, it takes longer, it's a little more dangerous, it's a lot more risky. You're not going to get there as quickly. There's not nearly as many people. But watch this. That's where all the beauty is. Not on the interstate where everybody is. It's where the road is narrow. And you can't go as fast. And it takes a little more time. And you always have to be attentive. And isn't it crazy how many of us in this room, you bury beauty with your hustle and you are burying the beauty of relationships with your resentment and a lack of forgiveness. For some of you, the greatest need of your life is to decide. I'm going to choose the narrow way. The narrow way it's more complicated, it's messy, it's dangerous, it's full of twists, it's full of turns, but it is so far less crowded. Students and adults, if it is predictable, it is not the narrow way. It is the broad way. And I'm not talking about Lion King and Les Mis. If it's predictable, every high school student in this room is doing this. It's not the way. Resentment, revenge, a lack of forgiveness is predictable. It's the broad way. And if you want to see a picture of what sending it away looks like, I'll leave you with this. If you can go to those last pictures. Don't look at me. This is Jesus going. You don't know me. Afiami. I choose to send it away. I choose to not keep passing this back and forth. Psst. Sending it away is a part of the way. Let me close like this. Is there anybody in the room that would be brave enough 
to allow us to pray for you because here's what you know. You got some heavy work to do because you've been passing this back and forth and you need to simply get on the narrow road and send it away. Whatever, however you were wronged, however much pain to the nth degree to the most trivial. You sit here tonight and this is what you know. You don't know life. You believe that Jesus is who he is, but you don't know life because you're on the broad road that leads to destruction. And you'd give us the honor and privilege to just pray for you tonight. Not anything weird. You're just willing to admit, I've got some relational conflict and I need to send it away. If that's you, this is a bit of a stretch, but I just want to be able to pray for you. Would you just stand up right where you are? You'd say, that is me. I got some stuff. Just pop up. And all we're going to do is pray for you. We're not going to ask you to come forward. Just pop up right where you are. And here's what I'm going to ask. If somebody close to you stood up, if you just reach over, grab their hand, put your hand on their shoulder, and maybe the person sitting beside you wants to stand up, but they're too afraid, you can put your arm around them if you like. And I just want us to pray for each other tonight. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, here's what I ask for all of us in this room. For all of us in this room, what I ask is that you would give us wisdom to identify the places and the people in our life where we just keep passing it back and forth and not sending it away. It is weighing us down. It is so stinking predictable. It makes us like everybody else. And we want to follow you. We want to be young men and young women and adults of the way, people of the way. That is our greatest desire. So heavenly father, for that young man and young lady who is standing up right now, and this is what they are saying. I want to somehow, some way, send it away. You don't owe me. You hurt me. You wronged me, but I forgive you. Not a destination, but a journey. Would you give them the wisdom to see that tonight and the courage to do it? And would you give them the courage to do it tonight and the courage to do it when they leave and the courage to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day? Because that's what people of the way do. And we're grateful that when we looked at a picture of you and the cross, we saw you sending our sin away. And that's why we can pray in your name, the name of Jesus.